From the EPR Creation Studio, this is Jason Staples bringing you the Unconquered Podcast. As always, this podcast is brought to you by EPR Creations, bringing the best of website development and internet marketing for an affordable price. EPR Creations built showthesafeties.com for me, and if you haven't signed the petition for viewing angles that allow us to see the passing game on television, please do so. Podcast also brought to you by my book. If you have any interest in Judaism, the Bible, or the roots of Christianity, support me and the podcast by buying the book. Available on Amazon and where fine books are sold. And then, of course, buy an extra one for your pastor, priest, rabbi, shaman, or that one crazy uncle who's recovering from the QAnon stuff or anything else. Links are in the show notes to all this stuff, so we'll go ahead and get to the show. This is going to be the 2021 season preview. I'm not going to spend an inordinate amount of time on this, uh, partly because I'm going to need to do the Notre Dame full preview here very shortly. But uh, as usual, I'm going to, pl- I'm going to apply the, uh, the normal sort of win share kind of approach to this, where I will give percentages on each game and, uh, and discuss what the, uh, the odds are going in in terms of the season and how I see the season as a whole playing out. Uh, and then beyond that, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just leave things for the, the game previews themselves. Now, the first thing I want to mention is that when it comes to how this season sort of shapes up as a whole, I think the, the biggest problem for Florida State coming into the season is that you want as many essentially rollover guaranteed wins as possible on a schedule. And the better your team is, the more of those there are. That's, that's, the, that's the thing that you have to really look for. So if you're Alabama and you come in, you're basically in a tier by yourself in terms of talent in each game. You're, you're, you're the more talented team in each game. And not only are you the more talented team, but you're often two or three tiers above the teams that you're going to be playing in terms of talent. You're going to win a lot of games just by virtue of being the better team, the, the more talented team, because of how much more talented you are. There's always a matter, there's always sort of a sliding scale. There's a range of possibilities in any game. I mean, that's why they play the game, right? That the best, the better team doesn't always win, or there would be no point in playing the game. But the more better <laughs> the team, the better team actually is, the less likely you are to see an upset. So if you want to have, you know, let's say a, a 10 or an 11 win season in college football, if you're playing 12 games, that means you need to be a favorite in very nearly all your games. And the big thing is you need to be the favorite by a lot because let's say you are a, let's say you play a 10 game schedule and you're a favorite in all 10. You're not expected to win 10 games. And this is a hard concept to get around for a lot of us, but, but this is something that in, in thinking about this season in particular, I think is really important in terms of setting fan expectations. And that's that basically you're looking at a compound odds situation. So if you're 60% likely to win in each of those 10 games, at the end of the season, you're expected to be 6-4. and four. For the same reason that if you flip a coin, you're going to expect the more trials you have to be close to 50-50 at the end of that. You flip the first three times, you might get four heads, but eventually that's all going to even out. So if you want to win eight games on a 10-game schedule, 
you need to be favored by a lot in those games. You know, if you're favored by 90, 95% or more in all of those games, then you're expected to finish 10 and 0. And, you know, you might finish 9 and 1, you get a little bit unlucky or something happens, but you're going to finish 10 and 0 if you're favored by 95% or more in each of those games on, a- on average. That's what you're kind of looking for. So, the, the, the problem here is that Florida State's in a position where they're, this is the least talented Florida State team in quite a while. It's also a team that is pretty young in terms of time on roster and, and otherwise. I mean, you look at the depth chart, they've got uh, something like 58% or 60% of the two deep is guys in their first or second year at Florida State. And that means you've got guys that have not had time to go through your strength and conditioning program at any length of time. I mean, the thing is, you expect from the time of signing from the time of signing to the time of getting off campus, you're going to expect your your players to wind up with, you know, maybe say 30 pounds of weight gain on average. 35 pounds of weight gain on average within a college a, a good college strength and conditioning program and nutrition program. So you bring guys in like what we talked about in in the uh, recruiting episode in the uh, evaluation of, of the 2021 recruiting class, you bring guys in at 260, and you hope that by the end of their time on campus, that guy that you brought in at 260 is closer to 290. But if he's only been on campus a year, you're not going to expect him to, to have gained those 30 pounds in a year. You're going to expect that guy to have gained 8 or 10 pounds, maybe, maybe because he's, you know, he's a freshman and has more room to grow, maybe 15 if you're lucky. And some guys, you know, you look at Joshua Farmer, and he's he's put on that close to that amount of weight uh, early on. That's a, that's an outlier, but by and large, you're going to expect you know maybe ten or fifteen pounds, if you're lucky, on some of those undeveloped guys that that are brought in. But when you've only had you know a year or six months or even less with with guys on your roster, you haven't had time to really change their bodies. You haven't had time to develop them the way that you want. And then you add to that that these are. You know, mostly guys that were three-star athletes, three-star players coming out of coming out of college or coming out of high school, coming into college. So you think about that. Florida State for a very long time had over a fifty percent blue chip ratio in terms of um, having more guys that are four and five stars on the ro- on the roster than three stars. That is definitely flipped now. So they're not as talented as they've been. They've got less experience within the program, less. Uh, you know, you've got some mercenaries here. So if things don't go well, I mean, do you have how, how many guys are going to pull in their own direction as opposed to the team direction is always a question. So you've got a lot of things sort of not working your way in terms of the overall season. And then you combine that with a schedule that is very unfriendly. So not only does Florida State play its annual crossover game with Miami this year, it draws arguably the best team from the Coastal Division, and that's North Carolina. You'd feel a lot better about this season if you drew, say, Georgia Tech in the cross-divisional like you did last year, even though you lost that game last year. You'd feel a lot better about playing Georgia Tech than North Carolina and Sam Howell in this year's crossover game. And then you've got Notre Dame. So (laughs) this is not a friendly schedule toward the top end of it. And then the other problem is that because you don't have the, the talent level that you've had in the past where you could basically walk into Wake Forest or BC or 
Louisville or NC State and you know these kinds of programs and basically say this is this is a joke we're, we're way more talented than this team we're you know it's going to be 90% odds or better that that you win this game those games are not are not gimmies anymore and really if you're going to expect a successful season you you really need a lot of those games to be gimmies when i break down this schedule i really only see 3 games where I look at it and I'm like, yeah, Florida State should win that game. That this this should be that should be a, a, a significant win. Jacksonville State, UMass, who might be the worst team in FBS, the Fighting Walt Bells, and then Syracuse. And you know that that seat's got to be getting pretty warm for Dino Babers, who's a good coach up there, but uh, they've just not been able to get the talent up there that 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 are necessary to do what he needs to do. And Syracuse is not a good football team. So those three teams, you kind of assume, okay, Florida State should win those three games. So I'm not going to talk too much about those three. I think you can kind of expect that Florida State goes 3-0 and in those games. And, you know, when you look at, say, the FPI, here's the, here's the numbers that, that ESPN's FPI puts on that. 97.6 for Jacksonville State. Uh, 98.2 for UMass and 88.9 for, for Syracuse. So basically, if you played those games 10 times apiece, Florida State's going to win 9 out of 10 on the Syri- against Syracuse and 10 out of 10 against Jacksonville State and, and UMass. That seems about right. So I'm just going to factor those games as, as wins for Florida State. I think, those, I think you can kind of pencil those in as wins coming into the schedule. And that, that's kind of what you have to do as you're as – you're plotting how to think about this. And, and I think that, that that makes sense for those three. Then there's the, the next tier. And this is teams that you really should beat. You've got a little bit of an edge in terms of roster. You've got some, you've got some advantages. But it's getting closer to a coin flip. It's a team that can beat you. And if you don't play well, they will beat you. And the problem is Florida State plays too many of these this year. Between these and coin flip games, you know, games that are basically 50-50, I think you've got four games on the schedule. So you've got three wins that you can kind of pencil in, and then there's four games that are either coin flip or you've got a slight advantage in that game. Now, the two games where I think Florida State has a slight advantage are Louisville and NC State. So Louisville, is a, they're, they're a team that beat Florida State last year, and they beat them pretty handily. And then you, you might be surprised when you look at the FPI and you say 65.7% odds of beating Louisville. Well, that doesn't make sense. And then you look at what, what Louisville actually did against Florida State and who did it, and you go, oh, okay, well, they, they lost some of those guys, the guys that really gashed Florida State last year. I mean, you look at Tutu Atwell just absolutely ran away from Florida State, particularly the when he was man-covered in the slot. When he was one-on-one, Florida State just didn't have anybody that could stick with him. And the techniques weren't very good, and the rest is, is history. So Tutu Atwell, he's gone. As is Des Fitzpatrick and Javian Hawkins, who is their big play running back, who had a couple major long runs against Florida State last year. They do have Malik Cunningham, the quarterback, coming back, but he does not have the explosive players on that offense that he had last year that were really the difference in that game. I mean, Florida State just 
could not stop the explosive plays last year against Louisville. And the guys that were responsible for those explosive plays aren't back. And Louisville's defense was not very good last year. So, and, you know, you don't really see a whole lot on their roster where you, you see the one of the first places that you look is, okay, can Florida State block these guys? And you go, you look at Louisville and you go, yeah, you know, honestly, if Florida State's offensive line is, is relatively intact, if they're healthy going into the, into the Louisville game, they should be able to block them. And Louisville's in the first month of the, of the season. So you look at, at the, the shape, the way the schedule shapes up, and you've got Notre Dame, Jacksonville State Wake, at Wake Forest, and then Louisville at home. Well, Louisville's still in that first month. And so, you know, you're hoping that your, your whole offensive line, you're hoping that you're, that you're still pretty much intact injury-wise at that point. And if they are, you, you look at that and you go, you know, they should be able to block Louisville. And Louisville doesn't have the, the, the horses that gave them so many problems in, in, on defense last year. I think this is a game that Florida State should win. Now, I know the SP Plus, Bill McConnelly's system, has Louisville as a slight favorite here, 52% favorite. I disagree with, with, uh, with Bill's formula here. I, I think this is one where Florida State should win this game. At home, first month of the season, before some of the, the attrition kicks in in terms of, or is as likely to have kicked in in terms of some of the places where Florida State's lacking in depth. This is a game that Florida State can and should win, but it's not a game that is a guarantee. It's not a game that you can pencil in. So I've got that around a 70% chance that Florida State wins the game. So you know that, what that means is Florida State being favored by about a touchdown. So that's, that's one of the, of the two games that I have as a should win, but we'll see. The other is NC State. And I'm just not sold on NC State. I, I know with Devin Leary, they've been a completely different team the last couple of years. But Leary hasn't finished the season. And this one's late in the year. This one's November. So there's a lot that can change and will change between now and then in terms of injuries and, and attrition and all of that. And whether Leary's on the field, whether Jordan Travis or, or Casey Milton are on the field for Florida State. I mean, there's a lot of variables by that point in the year. But to be honest, I'm just... I'm not that impressed by what I've seen from NC State in terms of the last couple seasons. I think uh, one of the biggest advantages that they had as a program is now in Louisville, coaching offensive line there. Uh, and I think, they, I think they've taken a bit of a step back each year since there's been some coaching turnover there the last couple years. And I don't think they're quite as well coached, and I don't think they're quite as talented as they've been as UNC has uh, – sort of sucked up more and more of the talent from more of the top tier talent from the state of North Carolina, NC State has kind of taken a back seat on that. And so that that's that's impacted them. And again, if Leary is the quarterback, he's a good enough player that that he could catch fire and, and change some things. But I'm just not sold that they are a whole lot better than Florida State. This is a game that the FPI favors Florida State in. Again, it's a home game, and the FPI seems to really weight home in a way pretty significantly. Uh, but I think this is a game that, that Florida State really, again, should be a favorite, maybe not as much of a favorite as they are over, over uh, as they should be over Louisville. But a game, again, that's pretty close. I mean, you could put this in the, in the toss-up uh, category, but... I'm just not sure that that's the that that 
that I believe that this is a, a toss-up given some of these other factors. So I think um, I think this is the this is five games that you look at and you go, I'm going to favor Florida State significantly. Florida State should win three, and then they they really should be favored in two of the five. Not massive favorites, not huge favorites, but favored. So, you, you know, you hope to get four wins out of that at a minimum. And if you get five, you feel great. If you get five wins out of that group, and really they need to win all five of those games to be where they need to be as, uh, on the season. If you want to make a bowl on this schedule, you probably need to win all five of those games. But those five games are games that you look at and talent-wise and everything else and where they fall in the schedule and being home games, you go, you know, those five, if I'm going to pick five games that are the most likely wins for Florida State, those are them. So those are the, the should wins on the Florida State schedule. And if you're going to drop one, it's probably going to be uh, one of those five. It's likely to be Louisville or NC State. And I'd say NC State's probably the most likely loss from that group. Then you move into the category of, of the coin flip. Now, again, Bill Connolly's formula has both Louisville and NC State in the coin flip category. I think, again, those are a little closer to giving Florida State an edge there rather than, than, uh, than those being a, coin flip, a true coin flip. The first one that I think is a legitimate coin flip or should be seen as pretty close to a legitimate coin flip is the Wake Forest game. And I can hear some of you already like, are you serious? Wake Forest? <laughs> Come on, Wake Forest can't be a, a coin flip. It's Wake Forest. But, I mean, let's, let's be honest. Let's be honest about where Florida State is as a program and where Wake Forest is in year eight under Dave Clawson, who's a really good, really good head coach. And Clawson believes, and he's been very, very clear about this, he believes that this is his best and deepest team at Wake Forest. It's a team that they threw for, what, 429 yards against UNC last year? And they've got their quarterback back, Sam Hartman, in his second redshirt sophomore year, which means you're going to see three more years of Sam Hartman. In three years, that basically, we're all going to be looking at that and going, like, that guy has been at Wake Forest forever. But he's back. Really good player. And they've got some quality big play threats. Specifically, Donovan Green, who is a really good big play threat, averaged 20 yards a catch last year. And then, of course, they do that you know eternal mesh thing that just changes everything for your defense, and they're, they return a bunch up, up front. This is going to be a team that is going to be a, a difficult team to stop offensively. They're going to give you fits on offense because Hartman makes good decisions, they don't turn the ball over a bunch, and they've got big play threats for when you do happen to slightly get out of a gap. So this is a game where Florida State's going to need to score to win. Now, the fortunate thing is I don't think Wake Forest defense is going to be especially good this year. They, they don't have a bunch of talent. So you know we'll see what, uh, what, what happens defensively, but if, if Florida State's going to win this game, they're probably going to have to score, score a decent number of points. You're probably going to have to score 35, 40 points to beat this Wake Forest team because they're going to score points. 
you're going to you're going to wind up giving up some big plays, you're going to wind up giving up some problems there. So that's pretty close to a coin flip. And that's the one that's the next FBS game. So it's the one following the Jacksonville State game. So you got the Notre Dame opener, Jacksonville State and then Wake Forest. So it falls in a favorable spot on the schedule. That's that's your best bet there. But this is a game that that really it's another coin flip. But if Florida State's going to make a bowl, I think this is the game more than any other game on the schedule that sort of tells you where where the season is headed. If they beat Wake Forest in game three, then you can start to feel like they got a, a pretty good shot of of going six and six, showing the improvement necessary and making a bowl. Because they'll have beaten a, a, a good Wake Forest team with a really good offense which is going to mean that they played well enough on defense to limit them, and they were able to manufacture enough points against a, a little bit of a suspect defense to get by. And, and that's kind of where that, where that stands. The other coin flip to me is Boston College. And this is late in the year, so you're going to be going up to BC. And, you know, it's November 20th, the week before Florida. It's going to be cold. It'll probably be rainy and nasty. And you're playing against a team that's got a quarterback that can play. Phil Jerkovic is a he's a quality player. Last year uh, proved that he actually is the guy that <laughs> I think if Notre Dame had their druthers, they would trade him out. Uh, they'd trade Jack Cohn for him this year uh, to replace Ian Book. But he transferred from Notre Dame and did well at BC. And they've got some players that he's going to be able to throw to. They've got some guys that can run. And they return all five starters on their offensive line. This is a team that's going to have enough on offense that they're going to give Florida State's defense all they can handle. And again, it seems like every time Florida State has played a decent quarterback in recent years, those quarterbacks have looked like first-round picks. And Jurkovic is the kind of guy that, absolutely could catch fire like that, and he's going to have enough weapons around him to, to be a problem. Once again, though, just like the Wake Forest game, this is a team that doesn't have a whole lot of talent on defense. <laughs> they, over the final seven games last year, gave up 6.8 yards per play and 153.2 passer rating. That's not ideal. Seven yards of play, not going to win you a whole lot of games. So this is another game where you're probably going to be expecting a lot of points to be scored. Now, it is in late November. We're going to see whether or not that that has impact there. But this is a game where, again, you look at this, if you're Florida State, and you say, look, man, if the defense has gotten better at all, if, they, if the secondary does what the secondary is supposed to do at Florida State, you can win this game. It's a very winnable game, but it is pretty close to a coin flip. You might favor BC a little bit in this one at this stage of the season. But again, I think Florida State has more upside on the roster than BC. So right now, if you're just handicapping things right now, this is a coin flip. But if you look at the potential in terms of who could actually blossom on defense or who could actually do some things to change the balance there, Florida State has more upside on that on that front. So essentially, you've got five games where Florida State should win, but two of those are by no means you know 
easy to pencil in. So, you know, you go either 5-0 and or 4-1 and there, and you feel okay. Then you got two coin flip games. And so, if you win all the games that you really should win, your five, you, you win those five games, and then you win one of your coin flip games, you make a bowl. To me, that's the standard for Florida State this year, showing progress. Beat the teams you're supposed to beat, at least split your coin your coin flip games, and you've made progress as a program. Because they've not been a program of late that has been the kind of program that has won the games that they're supposed to win. This has been a team that has been outright awful in games where they've been more talented than the team that they're playing. Being more talented hasn't meant that they're going to win those games. So the first step is win the, win the games you're supposed to win. The second step is to actually start to beat teams where, well, the second step is actually to add more talent. But beyond that, you start to win games, you win more of those games where your coin flips. You win more of those games where, you know, you're on the margins. And eventually you get to where you have enough talent that you're playing fewer and fewer games that are on the margins. That's, that's kind of your building process. But it has to start by winning the games that you're supposed to win. And then, you know, maybe once in a while you sneak, a, you sneak an upset. Now, when it comes to winning what you're supposed to win and doing the best job possible, I think of the realtors who sponsor this show. Think of Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, and Shenandoah Newsma of Keller Williams Realty in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Look, they're each the best in their, in their region. If you need any, if you have any real estate needs, and, you know, I know it's a tough time to buy, it's a great time to sell right now. Give them a call. Let them know you heard about them from the Unconquered Podcast. Once again, that's Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, and Shenandoah Newsma of Keller Williams Realty in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Tell them you heard about them from the Unconquered Podcast. All that information is in the show notes. So this brings us then to our th- fourth category here. And this is where this is not a normal Florida State season, although it's becoming increasingly and disturbingly normal for Florida State as a program. And these are the games where Florida State really is not the more talented team. They should lose these games. These are better teams than Florida State. They have more talent on the roster. They're more experienced. They've got players that are, by and large, better than Florida State's players. The first game on this list is North Carolina. First team on this list is North Carolina. And yes, I know Florida State beat North Carolina last year, but that was in Tallahassee, and that was a game where if you watch that game, if you go back and watch that game again, you realize that Florida State was very, very fortunate to win that game. You look at the advanced metrics, North Carolina outplayed Florida State in that game with the exception of a couple really, really bad bounces that went Florida State's way. I mean, it's as simple as if Josh Kando does not come up with a fluke-type interception on a, on a swing pass from the defensive end position and run that in for a pick six, Florida State loses that game. If you don't have a major special teams mistake by North Carolina and a, and a major special teams win from, from Florida State, Florida State loses that game. There were so many single plays where the ball just bounced right or Florida State did the exact right thing 
to win that game. And I also think, for what it's worth, that Norvell and uh, the the Florida State offense in particular were able to 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 uh, pull a few rabbits out of hats in terms of scheme, where they caught kind of caught North Carolina with their pants down with doing some things that they didn't really expect, and they got some matchups that they wanted and took advantage of them. They did a great job, and I think they overall out-schemed North Carolina in that game. I'm not sure that's going to happen again this year. And, and it's definitely in a different kind of environment where they're going to be playing in Chapel Hill instead of in Tallahassee. Again, everything last year was weird anyway because home games weren't exactly home games either. But you're still sleeping in your own bed uh, longer, and you, you know things are more familiar. So it is an advantage for, for teams in uh, in that context. So the other thing is North Carolina has Sam Howell. And, you know, I think Jordan Travis can be a good quarterback for Florida State, but Howell may be the best quarterback. In the, he's probably the best quarterback in the ACC. And he's he's probably going to have a good opportunity to be in, in New York at the end of the season. They got plenty around him. They return all five of their offensive linemen. And they're going to be significantly better on defense. This is really the first closer to complete team on on the schedule that we've talked about so far. So far, everybody else that we've talked about has had some significant flaws, which is why they're either te- they're either games Florida State should win or they're coin flips because Florida State's got some flaws. North Carolina, on the other hand, they've got some youth, but they're actually their their roster top to bottom is more talented than Florida State. And when you start looking at their depth on the defensive line, they've got players on their defensive line that would start at Florida State, particularly on the edge. They, they would, their two edge rushers would probably both start at Florida State. So in, in the secondary, they got three corners that would at least compete to start at Florida State. And I think two of their corners would start at Florida State. Now, maybe Travis J. wins out over one of them, maybe. Maybe by midseason. But, I mean, you're looking at a team that's got some talent and culturally ha- is at least a year ahead of Florida State. I think this is a game that Florida State should lose. And I, I would be surprised this year if Florida State beat UNC. It was less surprising last year. I thought that game was closer to a coin flip last year. This this year this is a better my this is a better North Carolina team and I think they're going to be uh, it's going to be difficult for Florida State to stay in the game with that team. The next should lose team on the roster or on this schedule is Notre Dame. And again, you're looking at a team you're looking at a program that's it's an established program. They've got fewer. They've got they do have actually some some. Uh, some weaknesses that we'll talk about uh, tomorrow on the preview podcast. They do actually have some places that Florida State can potentially can potentially get them, but they've got fewer weaknesses and they're better on both lines of scrimmage. There's a consistency in the program at this point because Brian Kelly has built them into a program, and of course it's Notre Dame. They they recruit talent. They're able to retain talent. So they lost a ton. What is it, 16 guys, I think, from last year's roster uh, signed NFL contracts. So, I mean, they lost a ton. And they lost some really important players on both sides of the ball. They lost their entire offensive line, which was one of the two best offensive lines in the country. 
They lost Ian Book, who's you know quarterback who it was the the straw that stirred the drink for them. Replaced him with a with a transfer from Wisconsin, Jack Cohn. So there are some some question marks that they have. The question really is: Can Florida State find ways to attack those question marks? And are those question marks going to turn into solid players in a program where they've shown that they can develop and, and bring guys along that can just basically plug and play the next year? So, you know, how, how good is Notre Dame going to be? We don't really know. But right now, you would, you know, you look at this game and you say, yeah, Notre Dame should be favored against a Florida State team with a lot more question marks than what Notre Dame brings into, play, in, into the equation. So, I've got... I've got uh, North Carolina. Going back to that North Carolina game, I didn't give the uh, the the win share percentage on that. I've got North Carolina at around uh, a point two, you know, around a twenty percent chance of, of Florida State winning that game. Notre Dame. Now the FPI has Notre Dame at the uh, at the twenty eight percent, and and North Carolina at twenty one. So I, I basically agree with the FPI on, on North Carolina. The FPI has Notre Dame at 28.7% chance of winning that game. I actually, with that being the opener, with Florida State ha- being able to potentially bring some, some things that would be surprising into that game, with Jordan Travis being completely healthy coming into that game, with the, the defense being fully loaded with no injuries having really taken effect yet with the attrition that comes over the course of the season having effect. I think this is a game that Florida State has a better shot than 28% on. But Notre Dame should still be favored. I'll talk about the actual percentage on the preview podcast tomorrow. But that's that's basically where I've got it. The third game that I put in this category of a should lose but a chance to win is Miami. And that's you know, it is what it is. The FPI has Miami as, as favored where Florida State is is basically got about a 28% chance of winning this game. I like Florida State's odds a little better than that against Miami. Again, they're, they've got a quarterback coming off of injury. We don't know how that's going to go. He's apparently fully healthy, but, you know, will he be able to, uh, to handle the, the, the pounding? Once again, they run him an awful lot there, and they depend on him running. So, you know, don't know exactly how that's going to work. But at the end of the day, I mean, I think Miami is a good bit more talented than Florida State either way. And that's particularly the case on the offensive and defensive lines where Miami has more athletes at this point. They've got more talent in the two deep and more size overall in the two deep. The starters are basically, you know, closer to closer to comparable. But it's that second group at Miami that's a year further along, a little bit ahead, more depth so that, you know, if there is attrition by the time that these two teams play later in the year, you got to favor Miami. So, again, I think the FPI might be overstating this a little bit, but I've got, you know, basically Florida State having somewhere between a 35 and 40% chance in this game. And, I'm you know, I would favor Miami in there. Like I said, FPI has them at about a uh, – 28% chance of, of beating Miami. Uh, Bill Connolly uh, has, what, against Miami? I'm looking at this now. Uh, he's got Miami at 18%. So he, he's 
a little bit less bullish on that than even the FPI is. So, you know, I think, again, that's, that's the range. You expect Miami to, to win that game. And then you've got the final category. And these are games where you're just flat out overmatched. And you're probably, you, you, you really don't have that much of a realistic shot of winning the game. You hope to make it through and not get embarrassed. And that's Florida and Clemson. And unfortunately, those are two key rivals for Florida State at this stage. Obviously, Florida, historic rival. I don't see Florida State beating either team this year. It's just, you know, Clemson is going to be as good on, on the defensive front as any team in the country. And they're going to face a Florida State team that probably is just not going to be able to block them up front well enough to be able to generate much offense. And Clemson's going to have an offense. So that's kind of that. Florida, there's a little bit better shot. But again, you just kind of pencil this in as a, as a probable loss. FPI has them at a 17% chance of beating Florida. Uh, Bill Connolly, a 13% chance. I'd put him somewhere around a 20% chance. You know, I'm a little bit more bullish on this Florida State team than, than the FBI and, and Connolly, but not a whole lot. So for what it's worth, what, what that does, when you, put, when you put all that down and when you look at the percentages that I've given over the course of this podcast and you try to say, okay, well, then what, what would be a good, a reasonable expectation for this team? Well, the FBI has them, actually, it came out as 6.0 even which is really rare that there's no fraction there. But 6-6 six and six as the projection. Bill Connolly has him at 5-7. and seven. To me, if this team goes 6-6, six and six, it's a successful season. It means that they stepped forward and they got better overall than they had been in recent years. They began to, to take care of business against teams that they should beat and you know, did their jobs. If they, can, if they can win seven games this season, that's a huge step forward. Essentially, seven games means that you either that you, that you won the five games you should win, essentially. What, what, seven game, what winning seven games against this schedule would mean is you beat Jacksonville State, UMass, and Syracuse, and you probably beat Louisville and NC State as well. So you got your five wins there. And then you either won both coin flips and you beat Wake Forest and BC, or you maybe won one of the coin flips and then you won one of the games that you should lose. That would be a seven-win season for Florida State, and that would mark major progress, and it would say a lot about Mike Norvell and his staff to be able to do that given the schedule that they have. Seven wins would be a, a, a major win for this, this coaching staff and would really show that they've got this program headed in the right direction. There is an outside chance at eight wins. That would require that you sweep every game that is on the margin, essentially. So you, you win both coin flip games or all four coin flip games, depending on how you, how you think about that. And then you win all three games where you, ha- where you come in with a significant advantage, and then you pull an upset against somebody. If they're able to do that, they're, you're, you're, you got to feel extremely good about what's going on in Tallahassee. Eight wins is kind of the, the, the top end for this team against this schedule. And to me, the most likely win there against, against, in all of this would be Notre Dame. So essentially, if they don't beat Notre Dame, in my opinion, you're looking at seven wins being kind of the, ce- the ceiling for the season. You beat Notre Dame, and you raise that ceiling to eight wins. But 
the thing that's interesting to me about how this schedule breaks down is because Notre Dame is in some ways the most vulnerable, coming in with a, a very inexperienced but a little bit more talented team in the opener against you when your most when when your thin roster is at its is at its peak in that opener. You got that game as your most likely upset, your best shot in an upset in the season, followed by one of your coin flip games in, in a winnable but basically a, a coin flip game in the Wake Forest game two weeks later, those first two games against FBS competition, I think are really what determine the direction of Florida State season, more so than the usual for your opener and next FBS game, your first two FBS games. Because if you go 0-2 in barbecue in those games, it's going to be really difficult against this schedule to get to six wins. If they don't beat Wake Forest, I, I think they're going to have a, a major uphill battle to get to six wins. And if they don't win both of those games, they're almost certainly, in my opinion, not going to get to seven. So to me, a lot of the season is going to boil down to how they play in these first two games. When, again, the attrition is at its least, you're most likely to have a fully healthy Jordan Travis and, and Casey Milton at quarterback. Those first two games sort of set, set not only set the tone for the season, but they establish whether or not Florida State's likely to make a bowl. Now, I do think this roster has more upside, more potential than a lot of people think in terms of what they could do this season. Like I said, it, I, I'm... It's not impossible that they could win eight games. It's just, I think, very unlikely. What makes you think that it, it's not out of the question is Florida State was pretty okay on offense when Jordan Travis was fully healthy last year. When he got dinged up, they, they got a lot worse on offense. But they depend on him so much. They depended on him so much last year to be able to do what he does to make things work. And he's gotten a little bit better in the offseason. He brings a little bit more to the table as a thrower than he did. He's still not, you know, still not going to be a, a great thrower, but he can do do more than he than he did last year. And, you know, the question is, can he stay healthy? But he starts the season healthy in a couple of those key games. What makes you feel more confident about things is that you is the addition of Casey Milton. As long as you've got Mackenzie Milton on the roster, you feel better about the ability to do a lot with Jordan Travis. You're less worried about, okay, if Travis gets dinged up, you're completely screwed. And the same is, is true for Milton. If, if Milton gets dinged up or you know, has, has some issues and you've got Travis, you've got a little bit of security. Having both quarterbacks on the roster allows you to have some security and you know, insurance basically against catastrophe in the ways that what we saw last year. When, when Jordan Travis didn't play, Florida State was awful. This year, Milton can play. And, you know, as long as one of those two guys is on the field and, and, is, and is pretty much healthy, or as healthy as you're going to be in Milton's situation, they're going to have a quarterback that can at least, you know, not lose games for you and has a chance to be good enough to win some games for you. So, and it's been a long time since Florida State had a quarterback that was competent. So that's where I think the upside really lies. If, if Florida State gets good quarterback play, they get 
above average quarterback play through the whole season, you feel pretty good about them making a bowl. Feel maybe like they could potentially, you know, maybe a decent shot at seven wins. But it's going to require good quarterback play with this roster. The good thing is you've got two guys that you think can give you good enough quarterback play to get you there. And again, for recruiting purposes and everything else, to me, six wins is the threshold. You get to six, you go to a bowl, and you can basically proof. this is proof of concept. Like, we've gotten better than when we first got here. You can see that we're developing. We just need you to make us to get us over the hump, to get us to where we, we're competing for championships again. You go four and eight again, that, that's not there. You go five and seven, it's hard to make that case. You win six games, you win seven games, and then you can basically show proof of concept, or you have shown proof of concept to guys like Marvin Jones Jr., who should be a layup. You should be able to get that kind of legacy recruit on your campus. He's a guy that should be playing at Florida State. There's no question. But is that going to happen? Well, you have to show enough progress to show that he's not just going to be wasting his time on your roster. You get to six or seven wins here, and you're selling proof of concept, and you're saying, look, by the time you're a sophomore, we're going to be competing for championships again. With a guy like Duffy at quarterback, we're bringing in enough talent that you know we're, we're moving in that direction. Six, seven wins this year, and then all of a sudden we're at nine wins the next year, and then we're competing. That's what you're selling. In order to get there, I think, you, I think the Wake Forest game is kind of the put-up-or-shut-up game for this season. That's the game that's going to kind of be the hinge on which the season turns. The Notre Dame game is going to say a lot as well. That's going to that's kind of determine what the ceiling for the season is. But for me, that's kind of how it breaks down. I'm watching very carefully these first two FBS games, seeing if I can see that progress, and we'll see if Florida State's able to come out on top in at least one of them. And if they do, I think that's where you're, you're likely to end up getting a bowl. Well, that's going to do it for us here today. I'm going to go ahead and leave it off there, and then uh, we'll come back with the fuller Notre Dame preview tomorrow. The Unconquered Podcast is brought to you by EPR Creations, Louis Marquez of Keller Williams Realty in Jacksonville, Florida, Shenandoah Newsma of Keller Williams Realty in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, Garage Makeovers of Palm Beach and Broward County, and the Unconquered Podcast Shop, which features stickers, magnets, and other Seminole gear. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please leave a five-star rating over at Apple Podcasts, post us on social media, and tell a friend. Thanks also to those supporters over at Patreon, where I post video analysis and field questions for the podcast from supporters. Special thanks to those above the bleach numbers level. That is Keith Cheney, Casey Kidd, Chris Chartrand, Andrew Garrett, Brian Leninger, Travis Smith, Vince Calandra, and Bert Bertoldi. As well as Jonathan Kennedy and Tyler Kashishki. This has been the Unconquered Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Staples. Thanks for listening. I made this.